0: Hi, my name is Mike Herpster. I'm privileged to be the director of Southland Christian Camp Ministries. For over 25 years, Southland has centered itself around the ministry of preaching. We believe that God uses the foolishness of preaching to convict hearts and transform lives. Our prayer is that today's sermon would push you to become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you listen, would you carefully evaluate your life in light of God's Word and take the appropriate action to grow in your walk with Him? We hope that you will enjoy today's message.
1: How many of you, this is your first time to Southland? Look at that. Whoa! Praise the Lord! Thank you for being here. Come back, you know, and bring other people with you. We just love to have the opportunity to minister in this setting, and hopefully you're going to have a a great time while you're here with us uh, these uh, couple days. Let me ask you something. How many of you here have been married more than 25 years? Would you please stand? If you have been married more than... Can you still stand? I want to just... (laughs) Look at this. Praise the Lord. So I guess that means the rest of you have been under 25 years. There's hope for you. I just want you to see. It's possible. How many of you have been married over 30 years, remain standing? 40 years, remain standing. Oh, do we have some 50 years and above with you? Congratulations. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Now, check these folks out. These are the ones you need to talk to. Here they are. That they've made it 50 years. We're hoping to get there. My wife and I have been married 48 years. This'll be 49 this year in November. And uh, Mike already introduced uh, Debbie to you. And we had three boys. We named them all with M's: Matthew, Mark, Michael, Mommy, and the Master. There's the five of us. And I'm just kidding, ladies. I'm really here's how... Matthew, Mark, Michael, Mommy, and me. That still works too. That. Uh, and I'm so glad she's here as well, and she'll have a chance to talk to the ladies tomorrow. She's given me some notes for the men that I'm going to be able to try to share with the, the men so that we can try to be uh, better husbands and all that. Uh, we're looking forward to having a, a great time together. Uh, and, and we have some very successful couples, but, uh, you know, there's only one verse in the Bible that talks about success. Would you turn to it? There's one verse in the Bible that talks about success. And I, I'm, that's kind of not not fair, is it? Who knows where it's found? Joshua. Joshua. Good, we got the book. Now, which, which chapter? Joshua chapter 1 and what, what verse? Uh, this is going to be our theme for this weekend. Because how many of you woke up this morning and said, Hey, I'd sure like to fail today. I'd like to be a failure. I hope our marriage doesn't make it. I mean, you know. Whatever it is in life, wouldn't you like to be successful? Wouldn't you like to see God's blessing? Well, Joshua 1.8 makes it very plain. And I'm hoping before you leave this weekend, you'll have that verse memorized if you've not already memorized it. Now, tonight, we're just going to read it together um, because uh, I know not everybody has that memorized. So it's all, you know, read it together. And we're going to try to say this before every session so that we can hopefully get it uh, memorized. Uh, Joshua 1 and verse 8. Joshua 1 and verse 8. Have you all found it together? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Here's what this verse is saying. The only way to be successful is to do what the Bible says to do. Notice that it says that thou mayest observe to to do according to all that is written therein. In other words, we need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Uh, Mike mentioned a little bit about the grandchildren. We have 13 of them, we didn't have any uh, daughters, but now we have uh, you know, nine granddaughters. And so we're, we're thankful for the girls that we're now able to raise. You'll see some of them around here at the campsite, and we're so thankful for these uh, sweet young ladies. But uh, when we try to do a family vacation on a regular basis, we've been doing it annually, getting everybody together and uh, be able to spend some time with them. And Papa's job is to, to work with them on a morning devotion, Mama's, uh, Grandma's job, Nana's job, is to uh, make sure and have that breakfast ready in the morning, and the, the children's job, our sons and their wives, is to sleep in. <laughs> you, that's, that's what they get to do. And, and so I have the privilege of doing uh, devotions with them. And uh, one, one year, I, I was to, to, had purposed to talk about James 1, through 25, and this man is blessed in his deed, who's a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And so I came out from my room early in the morning, and as I sat down to do devotion, it was very obvious that I had not done anything to get ready for the day. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know how, how do you all look when it comes that way? I mean, do you, do you, well, I, I don't look as, as wonderful as I look right now. Okay. And, and so I get out there, and they're kind of snickering and making fun at me. And, and I took them to the passage of Scripture, and I said, You know, it's like the person that looks in the mirror and doesn't see what sort of man he is, and he goes his way. And I I told him, well, you know what my problem is, why I look so, so bad this morning? You know what the problem is? I didn't look in the mirror. And I said, you know, that's a problem we have sometimes spiritually too, right? If we're not looking in the mirror. We get up in the morning, we don't get into the Word of God, and we don't look in the mirror. And I said, we need to learn to find out what the Bible says about our lives so that we can be blessed of the Lord. Next morning, I come back out and I'm looking bad again. And they're all snickering. He say, oh, Papa, we know, we know what the problem is. We know, you didn't look in the mirror. You didn't look in the mirror again. I said, whoa, 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 no, that wasn't the problem. The problem was I did look in the mirror, but I didn't do anything about it. Now, how many people do we uh, know that are that way? How many of us sometimes... Um, how many of the rest of you are like me sometimes? You, you say what the Lord wants you to do, and you don't do it. You know, the, By the way, the Apostle Paul was that way sometimes. His, when you when you read about and study about the great men of God, it's encouraging. Because in Romans 7, he says, you know, the things I should do, sometimes I don't do. And then the things I know I shouldn't do, I catch myself doing, oh, wretched man that I am. You know. And he was broken-hearted over it, and a broken and contrite heart he'll not despise. Hallelujah. But... Uh, but we, we need to do something about it. We need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. So I made the point. I said, I, I looked in the mirror, but I didn't do anything about it and kind of talked about that. But by, by that third day, I was out there looking sharp. Not only did I look in the mirror, I did something about it. And I hope that as we go through the, the time together over these next uh, couple days, that as we look in the mirror and you see something that needs to get fixed, that you'll do something about it. Because then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Uh, How do we have success? By finding out what God tells us to do and doing it. And it all starts with salvation. It all starts with salvation. For you to be successful in life, for you to have a successful marriage, for you to be a successful Christian, you have to be a Christian. And I don't want to just assume that everybody here at this retreat knows Jesus Christ as your personal Savior because I know that you can uh, have a profession without having a possession. And I know that sometimes there can be a spouse that has prayed real hard and worked real hard to get their, their spouse to a retreat like this to make sure that they get to hear the gospel. And I know you can go to church without being born again. Because that was me. As a matter of fact, I joined a church because I like to eat. I don't know if there's anybody else like that. You're thinking, oh, you're talking about those potlucks, or, or some people call them pot providences because they don't believe in luck, you know, in these houses. But, you know, these feeds that you have after church and all those kind of things. You know, uh, but it wasn't in my case. I went to a church growing up in northern Indiana, a country church, where they practiced the threefold communion. Are you familiar with the threefold communion? Some of you are, but where we would have the bread and the cup in our Baptist churches, that was one part of the communion. Then they would have a feet-washing service. That was a bad part of the, communion, know, Where you'd have to make sure your feet were clean and your socks didn't have any holes in it. You could <laughs> dug out your toenails so there was no dirt underneath them. And all. as a boy, that's the kind of things I would remember. And we would wash each other's feet. You know, and that's what we would do from that standpoint. And that was a part of it. And then there was the the love feast. That was the third part. Now, this is the one that got my attention because of the fact that, you know, they would kill the fatted cow and you would smell the roast beef coming up from the basement and it was so good and you were trying to figure out, okay, how do I participate in this? And so I asked the question, how do you participate in this threefold communion? And they said, well, you have to be a member of the church. So what's my next question? Where do I sign up? That's exactly right. And so... uh, They said, well, you have to come forward in the church and you have to get baptized sometime. So, sure enough, as a young man, somewhere in that 13, 14 years of age, I went forward. I I got baptized and I joined the church. Nobody took the Bible and showed me from the Word of God what it meant to be born again, what it meant to be saved, what it meant to, what the gospel really was. And so that was kind of the way I grew up. I mean, I thought the way you got to go to heaven was by being good enough to go to heaven. You know, the big scale-in-the-sky concept, that if your scales tip to the good side, you get to go to heaven. a tip to the bad side, you would go to hell. And I definitely didn't want to go to hell, and I didn't want my dad to kill me, because then I would get killed and go to hell at the same time. So I, so I tried to be a good boy. I was a, I was a pretty good boy growing up, as far as I can say. But, but I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I went off to college uh, to play basketball and to study mathematics. I wanted to be a math teacher and a coach. Actually, I wanted to be a coach, and back then you had to teach something, so I thought, well, I could teach math. That comes easy to me, so to do that. And I, I, I've been this uh, size since I was a freshman. In high, well, I've been this height. Since. Don't laugh at me. Some of you have expanded your horizons, too, right? You know what I'm talking about. We've all spread, spread our influence a little bit. You know? But I... Um, I played a lot of basketball and went off to college on a basketball scholarship and they gave me a job between my freshman and sophomore year of recruiting students. So in the summer of 1969 I recruited that young lady right back there to uh, be one of our students at uh, Indiana Central University in Indianapolis, Indiana and uh, not only did I recruit her to be uh, one of the students a year later I asked her to marry me and she said yes and so uh, That was a wonderful thing that happened in 1969, but even even more importantly, that was in June of 1969. In uh, August of 1969, I went up to see my brother in Flint, Michigan, who was uh, doing some work up there, and I was gonna earn some spending money before I went back to college, and unbeknownst to me, my brother had gotten saved at Taylor University, which is in Upland, Indiana. He had a basketball coach that was a believer, and he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and he asked me a penetrating question. And I want to ask this to you. He said, Carl, put your name in there, are you going to heaven? That was his question to me. Carl, are you going to heaven? And I said, well, I hope so. Now, can you understand why I would say I hope so? Mm-hmm. Scale in the sky. I didn't know for sure which way it was going to tip. But I was trying, doing my best. By the way, your best isn't good enough. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And so I didn't understand all that at that point, but I said, I hope so. And he said, well, the Bible says you can know so. And that's all he said. He didn't really witness to me. He didn't know how to witness at that point. He had just been recently saved. He just knew that the Bible had the answer. And by the way, what does the Bible say? Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Would you turn to Romans chapter 3? Because I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I'm confident that most and maybe all of you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But I just want you to to know how God worked on my heart, and I want you as believers to know that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I want you to know... You can be a witness to people, and even though they may not respond right away, you have planted a seed that can bear fruit in due season. Some plant, some water, who gives the increase? And we need to be planters. And we need to be planting the Word of God in the lives of people. And the Word of God can bring people to a saving knowledge of Christ. I'll tell people, listen, just read the Bible. And if you, just, if, if you read the book of John, it'd be wonderful. If you're not going to read the book of John... Read John chapter 3. If you won't read John chapter 3, just just look at John 3, 16. And the Word of God can impact people. God used Romans in my life because in Romans chapter 3, we know that none are righteous, no, not one, and all of sin and come short of the glory of God. But here's what I want you to see in verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. How many people are going to get justified by the deeds of the law? Nobody. That's what the Bible says, by the deeds of the law, verse 20, no flesh shall be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. What's he saying? He's saying he gave us the law so we'd all know we can't measure up to it, so we'd know that we need a Savior. That's the whole point of the law. Too many people are trying to live the law. No, no, no. What we're trying to do is live for Jesus Christ, and we will be, be obedient to the law as best we can and the law of God that he has given to us, but we're not justified by living the law. We can't do it, and he needs us to know that, so we know we need to say. One of the hardest things with some people that I witness to is to get them lost because they're church attenders or because they grew up in a Christian home or because of the fact that they went to, to some Christian college or who knows whatever else. Or some people, I'm an American after all, aren't Americans? No, I hope you know better than that now. But I'm just saying, he, this, this, you, you have to put yourself in my place as an 18-year-old teenager, looking at the scriptures and reading for myself what the Bible says, the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, and I'm trying to be justified in his sight by the deeds of the law. I hadn't learned Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 at this point. You know, I'm, I wasn't to that yet, but for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Listen, a man should boast. I was trying to work my way there. And, and then it, we go down in verse 24, and it says, being justified, what's the next word? You can't earn this. I love Romans six twenty three. Now, if I'm only going to give a person one verse... I give them Romans 6.23. Now, if you want to give him John 3.16, that's all right. But, I mean, if I have a chance to just leave a verse with somebody, I leave Romans 6.23. Uh, because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wages is something you earn. What do we earn? Death. Physical death and spiritual death without Jesus Christ. But the gift of God is eternal life. A gift is something you don't earn, you receive. It's free. We're being justified freely by His grace if we receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. You don't earn it, you receive it. And so the gift of the freely by His grace, the redemption that is in your baptism. Are you with me still? Could it be in your local church? Your heritage? You're giving. What's it, what's it in? What's the key? Verse 24, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's all of Jesus Christ. It's all because of Jesus Christ. Without him, I have no hope. Liar, lunatic, or Lord? You ever heard that before? Jesus Christ is even a liar because he said he was the Savior. He was God in the flesh. He's a lunatic. He was deranged or he truly is King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's truly what he is. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I tell people, do it now before it's too late. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And the key verse for me was verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith, Without the deeds of the law. August 1969, not knowing exactly what I was supposed to say or what I was supposed to do, I just said, I'm going to believe the Bible. And I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And I actually wrote my girlfriend to tell her what I was doing and how I put my faith in Jesus Christ and found out that she had trusted the Lord when she was 12 years of age, and that uh, she had got saved when one preacher came to their Methodist church and preached the gospel, but then they ran him out of town because they didn't like him preaching the Bible. And so she never grew. But I found it. she said she knew what I was talking about, and when I got back down to see her, we started talking about it together. And I'm telling you, you know, two can't walk together except they be Agreed. And I always like to have uh, uh, that triangle where you have God at the top and you have the world down at the bottom and you have the husband and wife on either side. The closer you all, we both get to Jesus Christ, the closer we get to with each other. The, the, the farther away we get from Jesus Christ and the closer we get to the world, the farther it drives us apart. And so Debbie and I now both being saved really didn't... Uh, Know what we were supposed to do, but we said, hey, we think Christians go to church. Now, I I, I still think that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know there's some that don't, but I'm 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 still I'm still a believer. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together the way the manner of some is. But it, it, encouraging one another. Even the more, even the more, even the more as you see the day approaching we're talking about the coming of the lord jesus christ it's getting closer right so even the more sad to say we see churches closing down services maybe we should be adding something you said don't tell my preacher i got we got enough already Uh, (laughs) but i don't know about you i need the encouragement exhorting one another even the more encouraging and exhorting one another the day is coming the world's getting terrible you know Jesus has come we need to encourage one another and so we went across the street from our college where we were attending to this Methodist Church and I wanted to learn the Bible see I was saved reading the Bible I wasn't saved because of parents I wasn't saved because of a church I wasn't you know saved because of my good where I was saved because the Word of God had an impact on my life faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God and I come walking into that Methodist Church with my my Bible And I just started noticing that nobody else had their Bible. And then I understood why. Because the pastor never talked about the Bible. How sad. But that's not unusual in the United States of America or around the world with churches. And I tell people, if you go to the church and you don't need your Bible, you're in the wrong church. But if you go to a church without your Bible and you feel uncomfortable because everybody else is looking at their Bibles, and the pastor's preaching out of their Bible, well, get a Bible and get back there because you're in the right church. You need a Bible-preaching church. Because not only does it take salvation to be successful, there's something that comes after salvation. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sanctify them with the truth. Thy word is truth. We we need to be also having sanctification to be successful. Salvation is just the beginning. I see one little baby back there. How many of you have children? How many of you are glad that they grow up? (laughs) How many of you are like me, you're empty nesters? You know, that you actually have the situation where even your children buy you a meal once in a while and and at least they're paying their own bills, or at least most of the time. And, you know, it's—I mean, listen. There's hope for some. How many of you have children in your home? you see your hands. Let's, let's, let's encourage them. There's hope. <laughs> grow out, weary, and well doing, and do you season you reap? You faint not. But I expect a baby to be on a bottle. I don't expect my teenagers to be on a bottle. I expect them to grow up. Well, guess what God expects out of us as Christians? I understand baby Christians. I understand that. And they need to take the milk of the word. But I would sure like to see people growing up too. Amen. And not only being able to uh, grow themselves, but be able to help other people to grow. The things you have learned, commit to faithful men who will then be able to teach others also. I mean, isn't it wonderful, parents, when you see your children raising your grandchildren for the Lord? That's what it's all about, generation after generation after generation. Well, that doesn't come just with salvation. You have to also have sanctification, growing more like the Lord Jesus Christ and getting farther and farther from the world. You see, someday, yes, we're going to be like him, but until then, we're in the process, and we're supposed to be pressing on to higher ground. And that sanctification process sometimes happens because somebody comes alongside and disciples you. How many of you, when you got saved, had somebody that discipled you? May I see your hands if you had that? Great. Praise the Lord. But many of you were like me. I didn't have that. I was saved reading the Bible, so I didn't have anybody discipling me. But I knew I needed the Bible because the Bible was where I got my answer about salvation. And so we didn't stay in that Methodist church. We found a... Nazarene Church not too far away that was teaching the Bible. And as a matter of fact, the Bible, that this is my third one, but the type of Bible I have, the Dixon Study Bible, is one I got from my Sunday school teacher at the Nazarene Church because we really started growing in his Sunday school class in that church. As a matter of fact, this young couple was in the church and all of a sudden they said, Man, you're, you're excited about the Lord and you're a young man and you're an athlete. How would you like to work with our teenagers? Yeah. <laughs> well, can I... I always have loved teenagers. I still love teenagers. I'm thrilled that most of my grandchildren are teenagers. And I I, I just, I mean, I can't keep up with them anymore, but I sure love to try, okay? And so I said, sure, I'll work with the teenagers. By the way, they were wrong. Lay hands suddenly and no man. Let a man first prove himself. But they just needed somebody, I guess, and I was a willing person because I So I just wanted to be used. And so I'm in there teaching the young people and having activities for them. And one of the young people asked me, is it possible for us to lose our salvation? I didn't know. I mean, again, I'm a baby Christian trying to grow. Nobody taught me anything about that. And so I said, well, you know, as we should do when we don't know the answer, we need to go to the source and find out. I said, you know, I'm not sure, but let me find out. So I really did a study of the Bible and you know what I found out about salvation. It's eternal It's everlasting It's forever settled in the heavens he that hath begun the good work and you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ No, man shall pluck you out of my hand. Jesus Christ said So good you're studying the same book then okay. We're all on the same page. Okay. I just want to make sure Well, but because I went back and I told the young person that no they couldn't lose their salvation the next thing I know, they were calling a board meeting and asking me to attend. Some of you know about the Nazarene Church. I didn't know about the Nazarene Church, but what I found out is they believe that you can lose your salvation. And they gave me a book that was the Nazarene manual and said, this is what our doctrine is, this is what we believe, and this is what you need to teach. And I said, excuse me, this is what I believe. This is what I'm going to teach, and so here I am. Leaving church again, you know. I told you I had studied to be a math teacher and a coach. But uh, by the time I graduated, uh, we had one son and two on the way. And, and I said, I need to make money and teachers don't make money. Huh? Any teachers here? Maybe that's probably changed now. No, it hasn't changed. <laughs> That's the way it was for me, too, and I. so I said, well, I, I need to do something. And somebody recommended I go to an employment agency, and I went there, and they tested me. The next thing you know, I'm working for Procter & Gamble Corporation as a marketing specialist for, for the P&G out of Cincinnati, but I was in Indianapolis, and so I started getting into the business world, but stayed involved in church, and since my brother... Had uh, been going to a Grace Brethren church in South Bend, Indiana. He said, We're, They're starting a new church in Indianapolis, a Grace Brethren church. And so I went over to that Grace Brethren church and started uh, attending there. And there I actually had, was able to first time ever teach an adult Sunday school class. And I had the first time I actually filled the pulpit one time when he left and I actually thought maybe the Lord wanted me to preach. Said something to my wife about it and she wasn't thrilled. That's probably the nicest way to say it. Okay, you know I'm. She's here. I don't want you. Know. She hadn't learned that word submission yet. I guess I don't know. She teaches about it now, though. I, but but I had a wise pastor that told me said, "Listen, if God wants you to preach, if God wants you to go into the ministry, don't do it unless your wife's supportive." And uh, wise counsel. And you'll understand it a bit, why it was so important in my life. And I'm telling you, man, if you don't listen to the counsel of your wife, you're not a wise man. My number one counselor is sitting right back there. She knows me better than anyone else, and she loves the Lord, and she loves me. And sometimes faithful are the wounds of a friend. And praise the Lord for a godly wife who uh, can give me that counsel. And, and, but I just said, well, Lord, if you ever want me to preach, you're going to have to get my wife ready. Of course, that'll never happen, you know. <laughs> Right? Isn't that way we are with our spouses? He'll never change. <laughs> She'll never change. Can I tell you something? With God, all things are possible. I've Sometimes the problem is we try to change them instead of letting God change them. You know, change yourself and God will take care of your spouse. You know, work on this one. I've got plenty of work to do right here. What about you? I mean, I'm still, I'm still in the flesh. I'm still in the process. The sanctification thing, it hasn't happened totally. I have the Nazarene Church also would teach sometimes, you know, if you're saved and totally sanctified, and then on your way to heaven, I can hear the testimony meetings. But it's a process we go through. We're all getting closer, we trust, and sinning less and less, but we're still in the flesh, and we still do battle with the flesh. So I just got busy with what I was doing, and... uh, and Procter and & Gamble and later switched and went with Martin Marietta Corporation because they're going to pay me more money. And after all, if you're going to be successful, you have to make money, right? Be careful. Because not only does it take salvation to be successful, not only does it take sanctification to be successful, but thirdly, it also takes Separation. Separation. To be successful. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your dress. Oh, let me try again. I get these things mixed up sometimes. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your music, your entertainment. Your food. Well, come on, what is it? It's your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your thinking. Well, I'll tell you, a passage of Scripture that really impacted me as a young businessman and a young father and a young husband is 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Love not the world. Neither the things of the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's true success. When you don't go after the things of this world, you go after the things of God, and you let God make you successful. In his sight. And success, true riches are not dollars and cents. Remember what Jesus said? He said, if you're not faithful in the unrighteous mammon, money, who's going to commit to you the true riches of life? Boy, I saw that. So I got promoted and transferred to Chicago, Illinois, and got to working with some very, very wealthy people that were miserable. Marriages were a wreck. Kids were a wreck. They had what money could buy and all these different things, but they were miserable people because they they didn't have the true riches of life that only God can give. Peace of mind. You know, a good marriage. Obedient children. Things that money can't buy. And and true riches are, are not dollars and cents. And I needed to learn that, and I did the wrong thing that helped me. Isn't God amazing how oh, he can work everything together for good? Yes, if you love God and you're called to coincidence. We went to Chicago, Illinois and did the wrong thing. Now listen hear me out because I don't want you to do the wrong thing even though I did the wrong thing and God was merciful to me. We bought a house before we found a church. That's the wrong thing. Amen. You don't go someplace there's not a good Bible preaching church. And I've been able to help people with that and counsel them with that. But I did the wrong thing. I took the job because I was going to make more money and you know I was going to be a sales manager. And I went to Chicago and I, I bought a house out away from town a little bit because I was a country boy at heart. And bought this house in Sleepy Hollow, Dundee, Illinois, out on the west side of Chicago. And the only church in the area that was preaching the Bible was a Baptist church. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh. Because do you know Baptists? Do you know any Baptists? I just want, are, are there any Baptists around that you would, you, you know, some of these? You know, I had been schooled in Baptists. Now those legalistic, self-centered, egotistical, think they're only ones going to heaven, Baptists, hard shell, soft shell, no shell Baptists, you know, they were just, I heard them all. And, and so I just wasn't, you know, I, I was kind of schooled not to go to, a, I, I wanted a Bible preaching church, but I don't want a Baptist church. And by the way, there are some of those out there. Just so you know, I know we sometimes Baptists are so exclusive we don't realize that there are some out there. But I, my wife and I said, "Have you ever been in Chicago traffic?" We have to be. We have to be somewhere decently close. I mean, after all, we can't be driving miles, you know, and in hours to get to church. So I said, Hun, let's try this Baptist church." And we went to Fox Valley Baptist Church in Dundee, Illinois, and it was a shock to our system. And we were a shock to their system. Now, see if you can help me out. Now, you, you understand I'm older than most of you in this room, and so I'm, I'm the old man here, and some of you may not remember leisure suits. <laughs> but some of you do, I understand. I see your smiles, and I say. With the paisley shirts, you know, the big, the big shirts, and you had the, yeah. If you're really cool, you had a little bell bottom down here and everything, you know, it's just really. Well, I walk in in my paisley, you know, shirt and um, leisure suit, and my wife walks in in her nice pastel pantsuit. I don't know if it was pastel, but I know it was a nice pantsuit that she went walking into church, and all of a sudden we looked around, and we somehow didn't fit in. I guess some of you would understand that because maybe you've been to some Baptist churches. And, but may I say something to you? I thank God for Fox Valley Baptist Church because they didn't reject us. They didn't run from us. They ran to us. They loved us where we were or we might not have ever been back to Fox Valley Baptist Church, but all we we sensed. And the pastor came out to visit us, and I mean, I quizzed him on everything there was to quiz him on, you know, upside, and every time he'd say, well, you know, the Bible teaches this, and we've decided to apply it this way. The Bible teaches this, and so we've decided to live this way. We're just trying to bring glory to God, and do, didn't ever, wasn't condescending on me, and I quizzed him, and asked him things, and, you know, it made sense. And... Little by little, at Fox Valley Baptist Church, things started to change in our lives. It takes separation. For the first time in our life, we saw people that were living the Bible, not just talking about the Bible. And you know there's a difference? And, and you know the Bible speaks to every issue? That's why it doesn't go out of date? It's a book of principles. A biblical principle is a general truth from which we then make specific application. And those applications can be made at any time in any culture because they don't go out of date. Oh yeah, things change. We weren't dealing with the internet back then, but God speaks to all issues in principle. And we just have to learn the principles and then ask the Holy Spirit to help us apply them in a multitude of counselors. And that's why I love preachers that will... Well, not just tell what the Bible says, but here's a good way to apply it. Here's a good way to practice it and make you think. And our pastor did that. And little by little, things started to change in our lives because we wanted to please God. We wanted to live the Bible. And can I tell you something? This man shall be blessed in his deeds. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Not when you just know what the Bible says and learn what the Bible says, but it's when you live what the Bible says. Before I know it, um, I was even uh, living well enough to be a Sunday school teacher. And then I, yeah, you because know, you had this list of stuff that you had to agree to do or not to do. And Do some of you have those too? And I, I remember my first what? What's this all about? I said, well, no, you don't have to teach. You don't have to. If you don't want to do it, don't put any. We're just trying to be a good testimony in the community. Well, you should have seen our list at Tri-City. <laughs> it was amazing how things had changed in my life and how God worked. As a Holy Spirit, and can I just give you just a sidelight that you can take home to you with your church that I tried to teach our church in Kansas City. I tried to, be a, I tried to encourage them to be a straight-A church. Because I think sometimes we're running people off not because of our message, but because of our manner of treating people. We need to speak the truth in love. And this church taught me, A number one, that you accept people where they are. Where would you be? Where would I be except by the grace of God? So I don't care who they are, what they look like, smell like, act like, you know, doesn't really matter to me. If they come into our church, we ought to run to them and love them. We need to accept them and we need to be an accepting church. And you'll not know the number of churches that I've walked in and nobody comes and talks to me. And I'm a big enough guy, you can't miss me. And you, you, you know why people wouldn't want to come back. Nobody, nobody seems to care that I'm even here. We have to accept people where they are. We're all sinners saved by grace. A number two. Allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work. Don't force your convictions or my convictions or your church's convictions on people. Let God the Holy Spirit do it. That's one of the things I tell parents. I didn't want my children to have my convictions. I wanted them to have biblical convictions that came to them from God Almighty. So that they had convictions that they were living because they believed it. And they they saw that reality in their own life. Allow the Holy Spirit to work. And they did that with us. It took time, little by little. And pastors, don't do it because I say. You do it because the Bible says. And my my convictions come from the Bible. Not from what my parents said or what my church said or what my Christian colleagues said or whatever. I mean, I can tell you why I believe what I believe and why I do what I do and a number 3 and you'll never have a successful church or will never be successful in the body of Christ unless we a number 3 agree to disagree agreeably on those not clear teaching of the bible you know the doctrine is clear we separate over doctrine mark those with contrary doctrine and avoid them but there's a lot of areas you know that good people may disagree on And they may watch something I think is terrible. They may go somewhere, and I think, how could a Christian go there? You know, I even drink coffee. I just want to have a confession before you today. (laughs) And you say, but, you know, and I'm not addicted, okay? I go off coffee once in a while to prove that I'm still in control. (laughs) Don't be out of the power of any. Now, my head aches a little bit, and I shake some, but, you know, I'm still under control. (laughs) No, but you know what I'm talking about. It, but we have to agree to... We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And let me say, Christian liberty is not the liberty to do what you want to do. Right. Christian liberty is the, the liberty for you to decide what God wants you to do. Amen. That's, and those that are spiritual judge all things. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 15. That means we ought to be discerning Christians. And, but... Yeah. I tell people, if you want to be wrong, go ahead and be wrong because you don't agree with me, but I'm just kidding, okay? I could be wrong, right? That's hard for us to say, isn't it? My applications may be wrong. I don't think they are, and that's why I continue to live, and that's why I love being a preacher because I can tell you what they are, you know? But the Holy Spirit has to deal with you, so I want to accept people where they are, allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work, and then be willing to agree to disagree agreeably. And that's where they were. That's At Fox Valley Baptist Church, and we started to grow, and I started teaching. Next thing I know, I'm teaching the adult Sunday school class, and pastor's kind of taking me out, visiting where he's discipling me, and we're growing. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time. The Lord's giving me a good testimony in the business world. I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I'm able to give a lot. And, I'm, and I come home from church one Sunday, and the children are already in bed. You know how you take two cars sometimes because you're the gregarious type and you close up the place like I would do sometimes. And sometimes you get the kids home and get lunch ready. So it, and we, we live pretty close. Remember, we went to this Baptist church because it was close. But the kids were in bed and my wife and I are having a nice lunch. And then she says, Carl, you're a, you're a good Sunday school teacher. And I said, well, thank you, hon. I appreciate that. And he said, no, I mean, you're really a great Sunday school teacher. I thought maybe she'd been to a ladies' retreat. You know how they are when they come back? You know, they <laughs> have a couple good weeks, you know. <laughs> but can I say this, ladies? At least you go.
0: <laughs>
1: why, is we have, why do we have the ladies' retreat here twice the size of a men's retreat? Come on, man, Be the leaders you're meant to be. That's on my notes. I'll get to it tomorrow with you guys, Okay. <laughs> But then she started to cry. And man, this is free, okay? When your wife starts to cry and you ask her what's wrong and she says nothing, don't believe her. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, Carl, you know, if you still think the Lord might want you to preach, I'd go with you. Now you have to understand, it was three years earlier where I got the counsel that no, don't be a pastor. Don't preach unless your wife is ready. And I told the Lord in my heart, I said, "Lord, if you ever get my wife ready, I'll go." <laughs> so here I am. Praise the Lord. And sure enough, that that Sunday night, I went. We went forward as a couple and surrendered for the Lord's work. And pastor didn't even say anything to me because I never talked to him about it. Because you know, I never thought I was going to do it. My wife's never going to change. I'm just going to be a businessman. I'm going to serve the Lord in local. And by the way. Pastors, aren't you thankful for those people that serve the Lord in secular work and are faithful in the church? And I'm telling you, I I got in trouble with our staff sometimes because I could do without some of you before I could do without some of our godly businessmen and godly factory workers and faithful laymen. Because uh, Praise the Lord. uh, And it got me a little bit of trouble with some of my staff members. But it's really true because you're just so thankful for those faithful folks. But pastor and I went out for breakfast on Monday morning and by Wednesday night he was ready to tell it to the church and tell them what would happen, how the Lord had worked in our hearts and back to seminary and off to the ministry and praise the Lord, have had the the joy of serving all these years and and said just thank God for what, but you know, what did it take? It all started with salvation. You have to be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. But then he also said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's where sanctification comes in. You want to have the abundant, the victorious, the joyous Christian life? Keep growing. (coughs) Keep pressing on the upward way. Don't be satisfied with where you are. Take another spiritual step. And I'm going to tell you, I don't don't think you're really ever going to be successful and be blessed the way God wants to bless you until you really deal with this matter of separation. Are you going to live for the world? Or are you going to live for the Lord? The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And it's not God's will for everybody to be a preacher. I'm just talking about your day in and day out activities. What does God want you to do? How does he want you to serve in your local church? How does he want you to raise your children? What does he want you to do as a couple in your service for the Lord, in your giving? All these different areas. And it's so important for us as couples to understand that God wants to use us for his glory. We were not saved to sit. We were saved to serve. And there's joy in serving Jesus. Boy, if you've never marked down this verse and memorized it. Remember I talked about the feet washing service? Now, I don't believe that's an ordinance of the church. I don't think you have to have feet washing services. It just so happened that was a tradition of this little country church and I mean, I didn't like it, so I'm glad it's not an ordinance. it's okay. <laughs> but what was the message Jesus was doing? In John chapter 13, what was he doing? He was showing how to serve. That was the act of service. And in John 13 and verse 17, mark this down. If you've never memorized it, I encourage you to do it. If you know these things, what things? The, the, that you should serve one another. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. True joy comes from serving others. Remember, Jesus, others than you. Getting to that point where you say, Not my will, but thine be done. You see, you can be successful in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your church. We can be pleasing to the Lord if we'll make sure we have salvation if we're continuing to have that sanctification and we purpose to have that separation from worldly thinking that leads to worldly acting, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland podcast. May the message you've just heard be truth that transforms your heart and life. Christ loves you and wants you to grow in his grace through salvation and sanctification. If you've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we'd love to talk to you personally. Please give us a call at 318-894-9154 or shoot me an email at mherpster at southlandcamp.org. Christ has promised eternal life and a life worth living if you will only believe in Him. May the Lord bless you in your pursuit of Christ-like living. Tune in next time right here for another message on the Southland Podcast.